Hola! Episode and 17. Welcome back. Welcome back for those that joined us for another week, another episode. We're going to start it off with some a lot of different sports news. Get that nasty magazine off my screen right now. What magazine? You. Yeah, okay, yeah. Just hide it. I just wanted I, I just wanted just wanted to make sure the viewers that were paying attention got a little hint for the rest of the episode. Nice little uh nice little uh thing there for them. I can't think of the term. What do you call it in video games when you're trying to find that thing, you know? It's like part of the game. Easter eggs? Easter egg. Ah, nice yeah. Easter egg for everyone. That, for a uh, second I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I Easter eggs. Pick the word. Yep. Nice little Easter egg for those paying attention. Well, Spinny, you want to start it off with news that I know you're happy about. The goat gets more goaded. The goat gets more goaded. Get out of here. Welcome to uh, Rafa Nadal winning the French Open. Um, Quarterfinal win over Djokovic. Love that, too. Nice L's for Djokovic there on that one. And then he got to retire in, in the semifinal. His opponent got hurt. That was really sad there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a I didn't care at all. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Rafa kind of went up and, and hugged him after and it was kind of sweet little moment there. But yeah, he got hurt. And then in the in the championship, it really wasn't even close. Nice uh uh six three, six four, six oh, I think, uh win there for Rafa. So Very yeah, and uh fourteenth French in the bookies, fourteen times. Might be the most unbeatable athlete at one event of all time. So pretty pretty crazy um, win streak there for him. Never lost in a final. Um, only lost four times career. <laughs> four times career. Evelyn Garros craziness. So, yeah, I just love it. I love Rafa. Rafa's my goat. And now it's 22 to 20 to 20. So two major advantage career for Rafa over better Androvich. We're not going to that. What do you got on that, Fetty? We're not going to dive into the goat of tennis debate tonight. That will be actually coming on next week. So look forward to that argument next week. But Spin, I can't Easter wait to take you all down. Over. I can't wait to take you down. Because Nadal is not the goat. Hint, he's not even top two. He's definitely the most fun to watch, that's for sure. I don't know if I can uh, argue necessarily against that, but uh, in other news, Quinn Snyder, he stepped down for the Jazz. Spinny, that was pretty shocking to me. What do you think? I mean, I get it. The Jazz are stagnant. I think I got to give the – and not that Quinn Snyder's younger – I mean, he's probably in his 40s, right? Quinn Snyder, maybe 50s, but I got to imagine 40s if I had to guess. Um, look that up for me maybe here while I'm rambling. Yeah. But, uh, 55. 55, yeah. So I guess Quinn Snyder's on the older end, but he still – I think you have him as a self-aware guy, and I think he kind of knew that they were Eight seasons. Yeah, I just feel like they were stagnant, and, and he knew it, and he just – I don't know. He kind of saw the writing and – Figured it, if, if anything else, they needed a new voice, if not, you know, a, a complete roster shakeup. And he, well, I wasn't obviously going to go through that either. So maybe that's a little hint. They might be doing something in Utah uh, with Rudy or Donovan, especially given Mitchell's not loving of Schneider stepping down, all the reports that came out after that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, man, if I had to place a bet on, on like a, 
top 15, 20 player getting traded. I think it's going to be Donovan Mitchell. I think it's Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. Just a gut feeling. Yeah, I I can see that happening. I definitely think for sure Rudy or Donovan Mitchell is is going to get traded. I mean, your coach just stepped down, so I feel like it's kind of – and like you said, they've been stagnant, obviously, in the playoffs and don't really go anywhere. They've been – you know, they're usually – top four team in the West, top five for sure. And then come playoffs, they just, they don't do anything. So yeah, Quinn Snyder knew it was time to go. I'd be, I'm interested to see if uh, he comes back to coaching or is he going to take a year off, two years off? Like, I don't know what his plan is for that, but um, if he makes himself available this year, there's going to be teams calling for sure. He'll be probably the best or the top candidate for a lot of jobs, I would imagine. And yeah. the Lakers probably wish this news happened a week or two ago, so they could have uh, uh, looked into Quinn Snyder maybe even a little more for their job, but I'm sure they're happy with Darvin Ham, I guess. But Wasn't there bad blood, though, between Snyder and the Lakers and how was there? kind of felt that whole situation panned out with Vogel and how they were treating everyone there? He wasn't. Okay. And the that whole Polinka, the Polinka and uh, oh, what are their stupid names that used to be the Wolves, used to be the Wolves coach? Oh, um uh rambus kurt rambus kurt oh, rambus, Linda, rambus. Yeah. oh my gosh they need to just oh i can't even believe they got a mention i can't believe i brought up their bum names on this podcast <laughs> but they they need to be out and i think that was a thing for schneider too is he was sketched out about the leadership group there so so i think i don't know if that right would happen either way but but yeah uh if schneider schneider will be sought after if he stays and he'll be sought after if he doesn't because i'm sure there'll be um broadcasting networks and everybody trying to get him on yeah on countdown that's a good so point that, too that man is hilarious honestly. yeah he's he's a good talker <laughs> i feel like he is i feel like i think you'd be good as an analyst i think oh be yeah good. i think he'd and be we get hilarious. that basketball knowledge too you always like mm-hmm. getting coaches and players and in, in the booth and stuff so I could see that for Schneider too, if he's just yeah. depending on how hungry and competitive he wants to be in the NBA still. But yeah, so we'll see. We'll see uh, what he decides to do with his career. Next up on our list here of minor news, Aaron Donald. Wow, this this happened today. Insane contract. He's guaranteed sixty-five million over the next two years and guaranteed ninety-five million through the twenty twenty-four season. Uh, for those that don't know, that is three years, ninety-five million dollars. That is, he is now the highest-paid non-QB of all time. So Aaron Donald's getting that well-deserved paycheck, forty million dollar raise he got based uh, based on his uh, last contract. So, wow, restructured it, gave that man more money, and now he's the the richest uh, non-QB of all time. So. Man making thirty-two and a half million a year. Thirty-two and a half million a year. <laughs> and he, no, I mean, he's in all serious, in all seriousness, stuff. Anyone deserves it in the NFL. That's not a QB. It's Aaron it's, Donald. This man. It's Aaron Donald. Yeah. I mean, you, you just look at the lot. I mean, he's, he's the best defender I've ever seen. He's the best defender of our lifetimes for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with Definitely. that statement. No doubt. Yeah, no just doubt. the DPOIs and just the impact and just the amount of yeah. double teams. and It's just – it's Lawrence Taylor-esque. You know, we didn't yeah. see Lawrence Taylor in our lifetime, but that man could wreck games in a way that I've only really seen with Aaron Donald, where it's like consistently wreck games, like wreck seasons, affect wins, affect yeah. wins as a defensive player 
like whole game wins as a defensive player. I mean, that's that's a rare quality to have, and Aaron Donald's that guy. So, and I mean, this man Aaron Donald is in MVP discussions basically every year. MVP as a defensive player. So yeah, as a, and a as freak. a defensive tackle, as a, a yeah, defensive as a tackle, tackle nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, the least uh, the least glorified position on defense for sure. Did you see the? I can't remember which analyst might not even have been an analyst. Someone said that his peers are Lawrence Taylor. You know, like there's no one in the NFL that we can even call as a peer to Aaron Donald because he's just so much better than everyone in the NFL right now. And especially like, at the D tackle position, the gap between him yeah. and the next best D tackle is like, like in, nuts. Yeah. Absolutely. It's insane. insane. Biggest yeah, position well, gap, biggest position gap group, position group gap in the NFL from one to two, for sure. Yeah, I could probably get behind that statement. Our last little uh, update here. We do want to give a quick NHL update. The Avs are up 3-0 on the Oilers. That's all but that's all but done. They might sneak a game out and avoid the the sweep, I guess, and get gentlemen swept. But yeah, that series is over. Avs just been demolishing the whole time. So which I shouldn't be dancing. I'm dancing based on my pick, not based on my right. heart. I wish no, exactly. I wish McDavid would be dubbing them all. Spinny and I aren't but... necessarily happy about that, but we both picked them, so pick-wise, at least uh, we're correct there. And in the other series, we got the Rangers are up 2-1 on the Lightning. Lightning uh, won game three last night, and uh, game four is tomorrow. So I hope the Lightning will be able to tie it up. Spinny, I know that was our pick. We have the same Stanley Cup final prediction, so uh, I'm hoping the Lightning is able to tie this up because I just absolutely hate the Rangers. Screw New York teams. I don't want any of them to win in any sport ever, so screw them. Screw the Rangers. Lightning goalie is that good. This man is a wall. This man can win two more games in this series solo by himself based on the high end of how he can play. And uh, that's that's a recipe for winning in the NHL playoffs. And if they can just maybe get one a game or a game and a half um, from their offense, I think I think the Lightning can make this comeback. And, man, I hope so because, yeah, Rangers – Oh my gosh! If it's the Rangers and Avalanche and the Stanley Cup, I know what the. I'm not tuning in. I'm not tuning in. Uh, <laughs> I'm not watching. Uh, oh, for sure. All right, I think that's uh, enough of uh, the random sports news. We're gonna dive in now. Basically, what we do every single week, you know, obviously the NBA playoffs. So we're gonna talk the NBA Finals now. Game one, Spinny, your Celtics got it done, one twenty to one hundred eight. Um, I was a little shocked. Honestly, I had no anticipation of them winning i thought for sure the warriors would win game one i was expecting them um flipping that so warriors winning game one celtics two but obviously um celtics won game one and warriors won game two so i was a little shocked that they were actually able to win game one because i was like oh the, all this experience the warriors have they're for sure going to get this game one win did you feel like that too or am i just yeah i you know the only thing is warriors had the longer rest and maybe too long a rest could have came out a little rusty at the beginning of game one, which kind of happened. Except Curry. Were, except Curry, but Boston was guarding Curry like he was freaking Russell West. Drop coverage. So, yeah, what are – Drop coverage. On Steph Curry. What are we doing? What are we doing? But um, he had a hot first quarter, but then Ime roasted him at the first quarter break there. And then they defended Steph very well, honestly, the rest of that game. Um, 
Yeah, and other guys made shots. Jason Tatum, three for 17, but uh, had uh, 13 assists, more assists than points. Um, so he kind of came through in that aspect. Al Horford apparently is just that game one guy, just like he did uh, against the Bucks. He's doing it against the uh, against the Warriors here, going off in game one. That was sweet. And the most important player was Jalen Brown. Um, the game was basically close through three and a third quarters. And uh, the Warriors were taking – looked like they might take off a little bit at the beginning of the fourth, end of the third, beginning of the fourth, and then Jalen Brown just scored. It was just – when Tatum was off, it was the Jalen Brown show. He was taken to the rack, making contested layups over and over and over again. Um, and that pull-up mid-range shot, contested, banging that thing. So that was cool. And then the last eight minutes, they just couldn't miss. Derek White couldn't miss. Jalen Brown couldn't miss. Nobody could miss. Horford couldn't miss. It was just seven seven for seven from three in that, in that stretch of the fourth quarter there. So absolutely ridiculous. They just lit it up. So kudos to them and game one was was a nice close game for most of it which was which was good to see on like game two so right what are your game and, one thoughts i mean warriors up 12 92 to 80 entering the fourth quarter and you know you would have just assumed with the warriors all that experience that they would just able to hold that out or get that done but like you said they just unconscious the celtics were from three in that fourth quarter just ridiculous they ended up outscoring the Warriors 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. Absolutely yeah. insane. So I think it's a little both there, uh, pretty big collapse there by the Warriors, but also like you can't fault the Celtics for showing up and uh, getting the job done. So, and playing their best basketball when it matters the most in the fourth quarter. So props to Celtics for um, getting that game one dub. Cause I definitely did not see that coming. Another note I, I have here, 43s combined. That's gotta be, Close yeah, to the record, crazy. if not the record. I, I didn't look up the record, but that was a lot. 20, 21 for the Celtics, I believe, and, and 19 for the Warriors. So, yeah, 40 combined threes. I mean, Horford had six. Derek White yeah. had five. And yeah. Marcus Smart had four. So, that's literally 15 threes from those three players right there. Crazy. But then, game two comes... 107-88 yeah. final score. Honestly, if you if you just take out that third quarter, the game was, pre- I mean, pretty much even the whole time. Yep. I mean, it was. I. It's hard to take, like, the fourth quarter because obviously the Boston starters didn't really play there at the end of the fourth quarter. So it was kind of, like, um, tough there on that aspect, uh, obviously. So I take that fourth quarter doesn't really count towards towards the argument that um, we're talking about, but the seeds just turned it over too much. Just the chaos. Nineteen for the game. 30, 33 points off turnovers. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so thirty three points off turnovers. So that's something you can't give up to to the Warriors. And then they just they just hit some big shots. Steph was hitting big shots. Jordan Poole was hitting freaking forty foot contested threes apparently so just they just hit shots and, and boston turned it over too much and they, and just boston's offense was lackadaisical and this is what happens sometimes it happened against miami it happened against the bucks they just kind of get lackadaisical on offense and uh they don't have a true point guard to calm it down and make a good play and get them in it sometimes they tatum can't be that guy and smart can't be that guy and if neither one of them can be that guy then it's 
it's tough. So, so I think that, uh, that's gotta be a, something they got to figure out and do better on. And somebody has to step up there, but that's going to be the up and downs of the series. That's why I think it's going to six or seven games. It's right. A lot based exactly. on that, those up and downs. So what did you think? Give me your game. Yeah. Two. The, I'm, I'm just really shocked at the minus 36 for Jason Tatum. That's, that's crazy to think about. Like he, he was the leading scorer for the Celtics, but when he was on the court, they were outscored by 36 points. That's just okay. That's ridiculous. And, and okay, I'm gonna say one thing to, about no, that though. Come on, let I'm me gonna, say one thing. And I'm gonna say what you're about to say. Plus, minus doesn't really mean that much. It doesn't. Especially but, in a blowout where your best player, he was the last one to come out of the game. But plus th- or minus 36 in a in only a 19 point loss. There. That that no, was just not, like that was weird to me. I didn't, and again, I don't really put much emphasis on plus minus, but to see it that bad was pretty weird to me. Yeah, can I can I ask you a question? A, a Do serious it. question Do it. based based on plus minus. So so Clay last night had a had a plus minus of zero, even in their big win that they had, and in the first game he had an atrocious plus minus, one of the worst ones in the whole game. I want to say negative 23. Don't quote me on that, but it was in the negative 20s. Yeah, it was. Um, I remember that. Does Steve Kerr bench Clay Thompson at the end of games in the series in favor of a Curry, either Poole or or um, Peyton, and then Wiggins, Porter, Looney lineup? No Draymond? You don't want Draymond in? Or Draymond, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A Draymond instead of Porter. Is what instead of Looney. No, I want, oh, I want Draymond, You want Porter. small. Yeah, Draymond, Porter, Wiggins, and then either Poole or Peyton, depending on if Poole's balling, or do you want Peyton's defense more? And because Clay, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There's some not points he, good. There's some points he does not look good. And I get it. He scored 30 in that closeout game. Um, was that against Memphis or against Dallas? Shoot, I can't remember. But he had... I think he did uh, against Dallas, didn't he? I think it was the closeout game against Dallas. He had 30, had seven threes. Yeah. Um, he turned it that's on. Only been, that's been like his only good playoff game, though. He's been struggling. I know. And in these two finals games, it's not been good. So I guess to answer your question here... That's yeah, he Sorry, Clay I, I Thompson. Kind of, I kind of stole uh, it from you. No, that's good. Um, I guess to answer that, I would say you gotta go with the game flow. I don't want to, you know, going into Game Three. I don't want to like have the plan of of sitting Clay Thompson at the end of games. I don't think that's a good plan to go into the game with. Uh, just given, you know, he's had Game Six play. You know, he's had great Finals performances in the past. Um, he's obviously just a little rusty after missing two full years Which, of basketball. Yeah, I mean, holy so cow. Um, I think it's more of like a, a game by game thing. If he struggles in game three, like he did in game two, like what was he game two, like three for 18 or something so bad. I think you have, you almost have to take him out because he's not doing anything. He's missing all of his open shots. Um, defensively, you can get this the same output from other players on your bench his his defense is not what it was his movement right. is not what it was because of yeah. his injuries yeah yes. which is fair 
No, yeah. And and here's the other thing I want to say about this before we get too much on the Clay hate. I think Clay will be back better than a lot of people think Clay will be back. There's a lot of Clay hate great. going on around great. here, but you you give that man a whole offseason again to work on his shooting his shooting and getting that all dialed back in. Clay's getting open shots. It's not like he's not. And it's not like he didn't consistently make contested threes before. I don't think I don't right. think the him maybe losing a step is going to affect his shooting as much as it has this season because he's rusty. I think I think, but uh, I am fairly confident Clay's going to come back a lot stronger than some of the haters think because because I think a lot of people think Clay's like Gordon Hayward now, and we're just never going to get what what we got before as far as maybe the player and and maybe we won't from the explosiveness point. But I think we'll get more of a dagger three shooting clay like we had before. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, we have to wait at least all of next season before we can to jump to conclusions here on clay because he he didn't play until what January eighth or something like that was the NBA yeah, debut. Yeah, he so was like, out he for didn't... two years. Yeah, and he missed half of this season. So yeah, two and a half seasons he missed. Um, yeah, you got to give that man a full full season, full off off. Like, and that's the thing about this offseason that you were saying. These last offseasons, he spent rehabbing, you know. Literally. It's different yeah. training in the offseason now that he's going to get to do uh, this upcoming summer. So, we'll see what he does. I, I agree with you, though. I think Clay still got it. I'm, I'm pretty confident in Clay Thompson because I just don't think you lose that shooting touch. That elite of a shooter, um, he's never going to lose that. He'll Athleticism, he might, like you said. But the shooting, he's going to have that forever. So, and so especially, take... go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna ask you if you're gonna if you're gonna take my uh, take an offer from me. Are you gonna take an offer from me and change your uh, change your pick to the to the Warriors after those first two games? Those did that influence you enough? Did you no, see not enough? at all. I I like uh, I still like Celtics. In really? After yeah. the blowout game two loss, you still like the Celtics, huh? I can't I can't lure you over to the good side. Spinny, they outscored the Celtics 35-14 in the third quarter. That's 21 points, and they, they won by 19. So the other three quarters were close. Yeah, fourth they, quarter was, was classic, time. Classic um, uh, Warriors third quarter, like, you know, just what they always do. And the OG, the I OG think, classic third quarter. I think they will. the Celtics will learn to uh, be better prepared coming out of half going forward. Um I don't anticipate that big of a, a spread in, in the third quarter the rest of this series. And like you said a while ago, this this kind of back and forth is expected. They're amazing teams. Both of us had this series going seven. So we expected uh, teams to struggle here and there. And, um, you know, I definitely thought for sure 1-1 going back to Boston. I thought there was no chance one of the teams would be up 2-0. Because if one of them went up 2-0, the series would be over. In my opinion, it'd be over in probably five or six. Yeah, I struggled to see the Celtics winning in Golden State Game Seven. I know Boston's been crazy on the That's road, true. But, but I think that uh, Game Seven is um, at home still has a taste in their mouth from uh, from LeBron the first time. So I don't think they would let themselves uh, take that out again in Game Seven at home. But who knows? Who knows? Did you say Boston? 
Ah, get that stupid <laughs> crap off my screen. Uh second goal of crap. Should have a number two on the crown. Two on the crown. Nice. Yep. Nice. I guess one more one more statement I want to make about uh game two. So game one. Horford, smart, and white. Sixty-five points combined. And in game two, how many did they have? Sixteen. White had 12, which is, which I guess is what you expect out of White. White played fine. Um, 12 points, that's fine. You, you know, he's a bench Derek, player. You don't really Derek White against Miami and against Golden State so far has been, been electric. Yeah. He's a top five. Yeah. He's in the la- the end of game lineup is is White, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford. Yeah, that's yep. the end of game lineup. That's the that's the one that they've been. Me, he's been hitting big threes. This man's been daggering threes. I've, yeah. I've been impressed. I was a Derek White hater at the beginning of the playoff. He had some moments against Milwaukee that made me want to pull my eyes out. But against Miami, he was maybe one of the most influential players in that series as far as changing it um, at key moments other than, obviously, Tatum. But I don't know. I love Derek White. He's convinced me. He Maybe it just took time for him to get used to the system and everything and, and get involved like he wanted to. But, man, once he, once he fit in, we got playoff Derek White, I guess, and – yeah, I guess. I've seen uh, people on social media comparing him to Fred Van Vliet saying, like, how Fred Van Vliet had his coming out part against the Warriors in the finals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously Fred's been amazing since then. So is this the coming out party for Derek White? I guess we'll see next year. Um, Derek White's just a role player, but I don't think he's right. got the Fred Van Vliet talent. But Van Vliet was a role player, you know. Yeah, but there's a difference between Derek White and Fred Van Vliet I agree. I'm just saying. There's no. I see. Some my comparison, uh, based on the coming out party aspect of it. Maybe yeah, Derek can White, be a consistent sixth man. That's <laughs> all I'm asking for on Derek White, honestly. That's fair. So yeah, he had 12. He did his thing. But Smart only two points compared to 18, and Horford two points compared to 26. They got to be better. Again, uh, I told you this off camera. No chance that you would see a repeat effort um, in terms of combined points from those three again. But to drop from 26 to 2 and from 18 to 2, <laughs> that's not okay. Horford yeah, and uh, Smart have to combine for more than four points. They want to win. So that, that's kind of my last closing thought about um, game two. Yeah, it was, a, it was a blowout, but mainly just due to the third quarter. And um, the Celtics role players are key scorers other than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, a.k.a. Horford, White, and Smart. Just uh, They just didn't get it done. So... I guess we'll four see. Turnovers, three. Four turnovers for Tatum, five turnovers for Smart, two for Brown, two for Horford, two for Derek White. Yep. Three for Derek White. Every All the key ball handlers, turnovers. Can't have that. Can't have that happen. And uh, the only guy that really didn't turn the ball over that much, Jalen Brown, was five for 17. <laughs> yeah, so, he struggled. Uh, yeah, we all had our mistakes. And, uh, and yeah. So hopefully, uh, game three will game three will show. Boston hasn't been that good of a home team this year um, in the playoffs, but I think we're going to see a back and forth very similar to what we did with Boston and Milwaukee, where it's just going to be every other game basically until game five, and then five will really decide it. If Boston wins five, right? If Boston wins five at the Warriors, which they very well could, they did against Milwaukee. Um, that that game was in Boston, but they did against Miami in Miami and uh 
if they can do that, I think they'll win in game six. But if the Warriors win game five, Boston wins six, I think the Warriors will win seven back in uh, back in their home arena. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Actually, I know I, I keep saying last comment, but one very quick comment. Jordan Poole's, like, half quarter, that was sick. That was sick. A little pull away. up. Pull up. He did the little in and out shimmy on your boy Peyton Pritchard. Pulled up in his face and drilled it. That was, hey, that was I, you gotta eat your eat your words a little bit on Peyton Pritchard, though. This man has got been getting time in the playoffs. He has, he has. You he is never made. gonna do anything. Made. Sniper, That's fair. That's he's got a. He's got a. A man can rain occasionally. Yeah, well, it's the NBA, and he's like five ten. So. <laughs> True. All right. Well, Spitty, you know what time it is now? It's time, time for me, for me to take the lead. No, I'm retaking the lead. No, yes, I am. No, no, I'm feeling not. good. I'm feeling so good. Wait till you hear my questions. <laughs> so I got to answer first then, huh? Yeah, you do. No, I'll give you the advantage this time. Yeah, You're going to give me the advantage. I will. Okay. That's how confident I am today. Okay, I like it. I like it. Easy question. Who has the most career touchdowns for tight ends in NFL history? Antonio Gates, final. Correct. My boy, my Madden boy, Antonio Gates. I love that man. Great tight end. All right, it's easy question. Yeah, he just caught a lot of Philip Rivers loved lobbing it up to that, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, remember this is the easy question. What sport does not have qualifying events for the Olympic Games? Olympic sport doesn't have qualifying events. Easy question. Basketball, final answer. Mm, we talked about it today on the pod. That's why it's the easy question. The sport we talked about this sport <clears throat> tennis yeah tennis. That's all right come on we talked about it today yeah, it's a we didn't talk sport. about it not having a qualifier what are you talking no, about no but we talked that? about it was the only olympic sport we talked about today other than basketball right and i i don't know I, I couldn't even think of – I thought there was qualifiers for everything, so that's why I was like, I don't know. I'm guessing basketball. <laughs> but I knew there's qualifiers for basketball. That's why I didn't – I didn't know. I actually had no idea. That's tough for me. It's it's fine, though, because you're not going to get these last questions. Ooh. So, the medium question, um, given us two points, you can get a point for each – you, the only way to get two is to name the team and the uh, amount of threes made. So the question is most threes in an NBA Finals game. Okay. Who has it, what team, and how many threes? Point for each. So you don't have to necessarily get it all correct. Clay Thompson, Warriors. No, at team. Most team threes oh. by team. Yeah, I threw that in there given all the threes we've seen so far. And then team, what are my three points? Team, 
You just have to say what team it is and how many, how many threes they made. And I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. 21 threes by the Boston Celtics was second most. Uh, Golden State Warriors. Do you have and a guess for how many, how many threes they made? Twenty-three. That was close. Twenty-four is the record, but it's held by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, yep. Three-one uh, comeback. They hit twenty-four threes. Come on. Come on. All right. One All zero. right. I'm still. Still in the game. All right, medium question. I'm also doing one point for each here for you, too. Okay. Uh, one one is naming the team. Two is naming the year. Okay. Team which name. which World Series team include, included pitchers Phil Hughes and David Robertson? David Robertson was a setup man for a long time. Yep, I know. I know who they are. I know who both okay. of them are. Um, Chicago Cubs, 2016 final answer. No, wrong. Ah! Do you have a second Thanks. guess? Um, it's in our lifetime, though. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since they are, I'm pretty sure Robertson is pitching still. I don't know about Hughes. Um. Mm. New York Yankees, 2009. Correct. Are you giving it to me since you you said I got? I'll give you one point. I'll give you one one point. point. I'll let you try because you got both. You got both on the second guess, the year and the team. So that's fair. See, I I thought about doing that first guess, but I thought that was like that was the easy answer, and I. It would be wrong that way, so that's why I didn't pick it. That's fair. Okay. Um, your hard question. You need to give me the name of the player and how old they were when they did this. What? Oldest finals MVP. Who is the player that has the oldest? Lifetime? Ours? Or I'll give you, I give you, I can give you a point if you just name the player. Our lifetime. I don't know. Man, there's two guesses. I'm I bet you they played. Like I bet you they played for the Lakers. I got two guesses. I don't know which one to go with. We're gonna and go then, Jer- We're gonna go Jerry West. Okay. And how old was he when he did it? Thirty-seven. <laughs> Let's go. You're always you're always one off. It wasn't Jerry West. Old, Thirty-eight years old. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem, but that was my other guess. <laughs> <laughs> it was that's why I said Lakers. It was Kareem and Jerry West. I'm giving you, guesses. I'm giving you, a, I'm giving you a point. 
because when you said Lakers, I instantly knew that those were the two you're gonna pick. So. <laughs> Did you actually? Yeah, I'll give you uh, one point. You knew it. You knew it was them. You were close no, on you, the age too. I mean, you shouldn't give me one point because you're never gonna get this. And all right, yeah, let's end in a tie again. I'd rather do that. And yeah, just be then you're gonna just hand me the win. Um, what Apollo fourteen astronaut? Was, what was his name? Was the first astronaut to hit golf balls on the moon. <laughs> first astronaut to hit golf balls on the moon. Apollo 14. <laughs> I don't freaking know who's on Apollo 14. God. <laughs> Just tell me. Oh, I don't even guess. Alan Shepard. Alan Shepard. Sick. Sick. <laughs> uh, These are the hard questions you're bringing in here, huh? <laughs> Mine was doable. <laughs> oh, oh man, that's, that's funny. funny. Uh, that is funny. Um, All right, Spinny, I uh, I actually do have a couple ideas for a tiebreaker. We're not going to be able to do it today, but okay. uh, look for that, fans. Probably next week we're going to start um, doing that for tiebreaker. So oh, we don't have all these guys. No, because we can't. There's no way of actually doing the tiebreaker. We could tell them, I guess, right now. But All right, we'll keep it secret. We'll keep it secret yeah. and let you know next week. Yeah, because, I mean, I haven't even told you. So True, you haven't. That's yeah, why I asked. So. <laughs> All right. Now, well, wait, should I learn about it live on the air? I feel like it would work. Let's just send it, huh? So I was thinking, I guess we can uh, let the fans comment on what they think about this tiebreaker. Yeah. I do. I, there's a couple different ways we could do this. So we could have my dad email one question to our hard-headed email um, when, we, when we record, and then obviously we just – don't look at it until this if when it's needed. Uh, the only issue is it we would probably have to be like questions like list this, like list how many quarterbacks you can from this time frame or whatever. Because if we just did regular questions, then we could both get it wrong and still be tied. You know what I mean? Because there needs to be a definitive winner from the tiebreaker. Okay. So I have, I have an idea too based on that idea. Right. That I spun. Okay. Let's hear it. If we, we'd, we'd have to do some legwork on this, but I feel like we could have somebody available each episode that we could call. We could call. That was my second idea. And yes. they could just give us a question and just yep. make them be the judge. Like they give us a question. First one of us to, to buzz or first one of us to be like, whatever the, whatever we want to set as the thing. First one yeah. of us to say that gets to guess. If that person gets us wrong, gets it wrong, the other person gets to guess. Yeah, that was actually my second um, idea as well. Is just live call somebody and be mm -hmm. like, "Yo, give give us a question or give us give us something here." So, yeah, go ahead and drop comments on what you think we should do. This has obviously been dilemma for a while now, but yeah, I don't I don't want to see more any more ties. I think we have like three nah, or four all the time. Suck. Ties suck. <laughs> Yeah. Boo, boo so. ties. Boo ties. 
but yeah, look for that next week. We're definitely we'll have that figured out next week for sure. And let us know. Comment it. Comment it if you have one or the other. I like live phone calls. So, um, but I'm game for either. Let us know though. Fans, fans unite here on this one. Fans unite. Our our uh, Hardies, right? Is that we Hardies or Hardos? I mean, Which one won? Hardies won. Hardies won the poll. Okay. Hardies won the Twitter poll. Uh, one of our buddies, Mike Brown tweeted a Twitter poll. I don't know how many tweets or votes it even had, but Hardy's won, so I guess we're calling y'all the Hardies from here on out. But our last topic here, we're going to do top five uh, by position in NFL. So we're going to talk obviously just the offense. We're going to do tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks here. Um, I mean, I guess we have the only real debate on this list is uh, Antonio Gates and Gronk flip, but in, I mean, I have no issue with you having Gronk too. I'm sure. Is it mainly because of your bias being a Tom Brady guy and Patriots guy, or do you like dr- truly definitively think Gronk is, is definitely better than Antonio Gates? Well, see, the thing is my Gronk argument here comes from prime prime versus prime. That's my big argument. Okay. Okay. Over Gates. Gates obviously has the counting stats. He played a long time. He got touchdowns for a long time. And he was able to stay healthy that long. Gronk has obviously had injuries over his career and has been up and down with health and, and all that type of stuff. Um, Antonio Gates never had a season with 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and 17 touchdowns. So Gronk's, Gronk's ability to absolutely destroy at the top level. He also had an, two 11, 11 and a half hundred yard seasons with 11 and 12 touchdowns. And just Gronk's, um, the amount of big games he played in, the amount of impact he had on playoff games and situations like that, I feel like um, are are relevant too in this argument. But but Gates, Gates definitely, um, it, it's close there, but I just, I just gave the prime versus prime edge to Gronk and that's why I went there yeah and yeah I just you know flipped that argument obviously I did the county stats and longevity I gave that a little more uh for Antonio Gates but yeah it's hard to argue against uh what Gronk did in his prime years there because that's some things we've never seen from uh the tight end for sure and I mean I you can't not put Tony Gonzalez one right like he's got it all he's got the stats the the prime argument he's got longevity argument he's got it all there i mean he, this man is sixth all time in, in yards in this man pl- this man played on the chiefs the chiefs for most <laughs> of his career the three and 12 every season chiefs yeah i was gonna say during his career so he played with some trash at quarterback he he went through a lot and he still has all these tight end stats when Sorry, folks. When arguably he has the worst quarterback situation for their career among all these guys. So, yeah, that I agree 100% there. Gates played with Breeze and, and Rivers. Gronk, Gronk played with Brady. Kelsey's played with Alex Smith and Mahomes. Sharp played with John Elway for most of his career. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And Kelsey, um, I'm throwing him on there already. I don't even care. That might be too early for some people, but I just I don't know how you can say he's not. He's he's another guy like 
um, like Gronk, his his prime stats is just things we haven't seen from a tight end. I mean, this guy's putting up 100 catches, thousand plus yards, ten touchdowns basically every year. Like it's it's very impressive. Obviously, he's had Mahomes um, these last couple of years, but still, he's you know his route running, his ability to get open, make big catches down the field is just very impressive to me. Travis Kelsey will be higher on this list when his career is over, possibly number one if he can keep the longevity that some tight ends have and continues playing with Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey's last six seasons, starting with 2016, that was six seasons. 1,000 plus every year, right? Yep, 1125, 1,038, 1,336, 1,229, 1,416, and 1,125. He's played six straight least, seasons. <laughs> he's played at least 15 games all of those seasons, and he's had at least five touchdowns all those seasons. Um, he had two, two ten, over 10 touchdown seasons. So that's the big advantage Gronk has, obviously, over uh, Kelsey is the amount of touchdowns that he's put up in seasons. Um, Gronk has a 17, a 13, and an 11, and 11 is uh, Kelsey's high in his career for touchdowns in a season. But Kelsey's putting up multiple consecutive seasons of 1,000 yards. He has a, had at least 83 catches in, in, that, in every season in that Every season, yeah. And he's played at least 15 games in every season in that time. He stayed healthy basically completely the entire time. Two seasons over 100 catches, always over 12 yards a catch. Absolutely crazy production from Travis Kelsey. And I think he has a, a, a real shot to end up number one by the end of his career. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree. And Shane Sharp rounding out both of our lists. He definitely deserves to be on this list. He's got the county stats. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't really realize that he was this good at football. They're just like they just see his uh, takes and the, and and his stuff on uh, with Skip, and they just they don't really know. Like because I feel like a lot of uh, sports nowadays is is just social media, you know, just toxic social media stuff. So uh, you got to give Shan Sharp his respect. That man did it all on the football field. It's probably John Elway's favorite our leading option there and yeah, three titles counting stats. I mean, the, the dude was a freak. Yeah. And the first, not first, but he kind of was, was one of those guys that was changing the tight end position and what we thought yeah. of it as. Um, then obviously we had Kellen Winslow before him and other, a couple other athletic tight ends, but Sharp really kind of changed that game and even being smaller than most tight ends were um, especially at that time. So he kind of changed the game as far as tight ends go. He was, I feel like he was the number one receiving option on those Denver teams, which as a tight end Back. is something something uh, that didn't usually happen at the time. So I also yeah. got to give Sharp yeah. also <laughs> post-career credit to Shannon Sharp. He really was one of the first people, one of the first former athletes to go on like a two to three hour long takes based show. And so you, you do, that does take a different kind of um, analyst and pro athletes usually have not been able to do or haven't done that. And, and as far as I know, Sharp was probably the first one to do that. As much as you can critique his takes and how he is one way or the other, that's something cool and impressive that he did do um, in that yeah. part of his career. Facts. Completely agree with that. Next, we got our running backs. Really? We have running backs? For some reason, I thought I had receivers next. Running backs, wow. Our we beef. both agree. <clears throat> we both agree that Barry Sanders 
and Jim Brown are one and two. I'm a little surprised there. I, I know me and you, especially you, you've, you've told me that you've gotten a lot of hate for saying Barry Sanders is the best running back of all time. Why? Yeah. Why do they hate, hate on you saying that? A lot of Jim Brown, a lot of Emmett Smith, a lot of Walter. Payton. Okay. I can I respect can... the Jim Brown, but yeah, I don't know about I... anyone else. Honestly. A lot of people, I think, in our generation are infatuated with Emmett Smith's stats because they haven't watched a ton of him play. And not that I did watch him play live, but I have done my research on Emmett Smith and just his running style is bleh. You got to give him credit for staying healthy for that long. He played with Aikman and Urban. I mean, he played with absolute studs, a great offensive line. He did play for a long time and he was productive for a long time. You got to give him that credit. But his career per carry averages, not that great, just over like 3.3, I want to say, or 3.5. Do you have that written down? I figured you would. No, I don't. Shoot. Sorry. I think it's 3.5. Look me up. Could be could be wrong on that one. Um, I just forgot to write that down. Sorry, folks. But um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to start with that, honestly, because we're on it. Emmett Smith not on my list. Um, I had a big rustling at five between him and, and, and LT. Uh, but here's the thing. LT, 162 career touchdowns. Emmett Smith, 175 career total touchdowns. This is receiving and rushing. Total touchdowns. So 13 more total touchdowns career for Emmett. This is in 56 more games played, though. 226 career games played for Emmett. 170 for LT. 13 less touchdowns. And LT only played 10 seasons. So absolutely crazy production for their career. And I guess that's my argument with Barry being at the top is his 10-year production. And I, I do give Emmett credit, and he probably should be five. I just have a little bit of bias towards his running style and how much love people give him. So I felt like uh, he should be left off this list. What else well, you got? I, I still had to include him i mean he's first all time and and i i get what you're saying for sure but he's first all time at touchdowns and yards so that's why i just really? had to include him on this list so um that just really stands out to me to be the leader in both of those categories uh so he's just got the longevity he was never like truly um explosive in his uh years like he's more steady you're know, around your thousand yards every year uh that's why you see like you said the the touchdown difference, LT just, you know, the rate LT scored touchdowns was ridiculous, actually. I mean, he had what? Only like 100, what'd you say for his career games? 162 career touchdowns and 170 career games. Yeah, that so, is. That's and that that's including his last season with the Jets when he could barely even touch the field and walk and right. the same guy. Yeah. So, so we're basically talking – at least one touchdown per game for his entire prime for nine straight years, one touchdown per game average. Yeah, pretty nice. much. But yeah. I did. That's why I had to throw it on there. Just the first in yards and, and touchdowns. He's got what, three or four super bowls too. So it's obviously a big part of those teams and, and their success as well. So that's why I got him as three, but I'm going to jump back before we keep going to four and five. I'm going to jump back to Jim Brown. Cause I just want to show this man some love what he did obviously played in the late fifties and the sixties, but still his stats are ridiculous. He has 106 touchdowns 
in only 118 games. He's 11th in rushing yards in only that time. Only eight years he played, and he's in top 10 in basically every single stat. Uh, three MVPs in eight years, all pro, first team all pro every single year. All eight that blew my mind. Eight time first team all pro. <laughs> Just insane. So that's that's why I gotta give Jim Brown that respect and what he did in those eight years is just unheard of so i had to give that's why i put him at two and obviously that's why you put him at, at two as well yeah and and my only other um big difference obviously that we had was was yeah uh, eric dickerson eric you dickerson. threw him on your desk all the way up to yeah. three wow i know he a great prime for ed you know he he has the still the single most rushing yards in a season he has uh, 13,000 rushing yards and 90 touchdowns still. He was first team all pro five times, led the league in rushing four times. Um, very productive career. Obviously that his his record holding season is obviously crazy, even though AP could have broke that record if he was selfish and wasn't getting the Vikings into the playoffs. He would have got eight yards, nine yards, broke that record. Axe, axe. Unbelievably unselfish play. Um, really cool one there by AP. So. But ED, unbelievably good running back. I think he needs to be recognized, especially for his high um, production, high, pro high prime production. That's fair. I can understand that. I just I think three is probably is a little too too far up the the rankings for me, at least uh, in my opinion. But I do respect that, and I definitely did consider him um, in this top five, possibly coming into this fifth spot. But yeah, for all the reasons you said about LT, I had to include him and i noticed we also agreement walter payton at four this man i mean he's what second in yards he's fifth i believe in touchdowns so he's got the kind of stats and he's another one of those guys that he did this in, in way less games than like like an emmett smith too so you can uh use that argument for including him in the top five as well i'm interested in uh all you hardies out there i want to hear your guys takes for all these uh positions that we're going through here as well if you got if you think we're like totally off on a guy uh just let us know you know if if there's guys that we haven't included on any of our lists that you think are no doubters you know comment below but i i think we're pretty close to spot on in my biased opinion <laughs> yeah i think we're i think we got decent lists a couple honorable mentions gail sayers five-time first team all pro in six seasons um only played six I mean, seasons we got um eric campbell houston oilers running back won an mvp um oj simpson going obviously off that, going off that mvp person but also also on that list going off your mvp adrian peterson adrian peterson another, another uh honorable mention there yep a lot of a lot of guys on that level marshall falk um, another one that could be considered big dual threat, um, running back. So 36 career, uh, rushing touchdown or receiving touchdowns. So a couple on year old, no mentions we got on year old mentions. Yep. That's, that's how we're going with the pronunciation today. Oh, oh man. All great. right. Wow. I guess look at us. We're in. Top four, we're in complete agreement here. This is crazy to me. I didn't think we'd be in agreement on this list, especially with that many. 
But Jerry Rice, I mean, wow. Everyone knows what that man did first by far in, in all the major receiving categories. So it's just – it's tough. I want to be biased and go with my man, this flag right here, Randy Moss. But I don't know. I just can't – you can't really argue against um, the just the gap he has in those – in each of the categories. I mean, he's literally first in every category. So Jerry Rice, just insane career. He's first in games played too. So he's got longevity. Um, just, I don't know. I just can't, I cannot not put Jerry first. That's just my opinion. Agreed. Right. He's just, his, his, I, you got to give him the bias of having two all fame quarterbacks. Um, yeah. Playing in right. the system, fair. all that stuff. But when you're time and a half, essentially, over second place in your all-time stat category in both the two main things for that stat category, you're the go. Like, sorry, right. but especially a receiver, a position where Super Bowl championships are not very common, and Rice has those bad boys locked up. You throw all that together, and it's just it's just indisputable. Facts. Um I guess some people could make this a two, three, an argument though, and possibly put T.O. ahead. I just, I can't, um, statistically they're essentially the same. They played the same amount of years and they're either two or, or three in every category as well. They're just behind Jerry Rice. Um, so statistically they're pretty much the same, but I just like the big play. I think Randy Moss was better at making big plays. And then the prime argument you throw, uh, the one year that he actually had a like a god tier quarterback, Tom Brady, he had what 21, 22, 23, whatever it was, touchdowns. So imagine if Randy Moss had multiple years of, of Tom Brady, you know, instead of Dante Culpepper throwing him the ball, you know. So yeah, that's I mean, that's why I give Randy Moss the edge over T.O. because T.O. played with. God. When you're going with the T.O. argument, I just like for ranking the quarterbacks, right? Like Moss had Brady for those three seasons, he's obviously the best. But the next three quarterbacks all belong to T.O., McNabb, Romo, and Garcia. Right. Whatever order you want to put those guys in, those three are all better than Culpepper. So, I mean, Moss might have the top end edge for part of his career, but he also has the bottom end edge with uh, all those Raiders quarterbacks and whatever that was going on in that time as well. Um, Plus, if you watch the games, Randy just – Randy's different, man. Three for 163 and three tutties. Like, that's – that stat line exemplifies his career, though, and what he Facts. could do to defenses. T.O. did it for a long time. He caught a lot of balls across the middle that Randy never would have caught. And T.O. is an absolute tank, beast, ridiculous athlete. I take nothing away from that man. Very scary. And obviously, T.O.'s huge. Like, DB's coming across the middle getting trucked by this guy. Like, this guy yeah. is jacked out of his mind. Um, but... But I think Randy's pure speed and scariness for the defense is above. And and that's where I'm going here with Calvin Johnson, too. This is just something where when you watch the games, you know it's different. He played in Detroit. Facts. He played in crappy systems, crappy teams. But when you see a guy line up in the red zone and they put two guys directly over the top of him press coverage, like, there you go. That just, Megatron. It's, just, it's Megatron. This man – was possibly the best red zone receiver of all time. Like the I could probably his, be behind that. His ability to 
to use his sheer size and athleticism to just beat guys is absolutely crazy. He's still, for what is he, 6'5", 240? Is that, is that where we're at on Megatron? 6'5", 240? And this guy was still absolutely speed demon. So, yeah, I retired way too young. I wish he would have got a shot to go play with the Patriots or something in that time. I would have been really <laughs> lit to see him with Brady. But, but uh, yeah, absolutely insane prime from from Calvin Johnson. Facts. And so I guess we'll just round out this uh, wide receiver rankings here with the the fifth because that's our only difference. I went with Julio. Bias probably a little bit there because he's my guy. He's my favorite player. But, or not technically all time, AP is my favorite player all time, but Julio is my favorite player right now, no doubt about it. And Julio, he leads, um, retired right now, he would lead in yards per game. So that's kind of where I'm going. I think I like his his prime. Obviously, the, the downfall, I guess, of the Julio argument would be the lack of touchdowns, which is pretty surprising for a guy of his caliber. But Especially he, with his kinda, size. Right. He's kind of he's like Megatron. Um, being double teamed and just making ridiculous catches just based off his size and athleticism, but doing that more in the middle of the field, not in the red zone, which I get, I mean, take that how you want. Uh, that's why he has so many yards and not, you know, not as many touchdowns, but this, the, the catches I've seen this man do, I think I was, I was debating on putting Larry Fitz. That would have been my other guy instead of Julio. And obviously Larry Fitz, he's got the longevity argument. But just the eye test, kind of like similar to Calvin Johnson, I just, from what I've seen from Julio, I, I think he's better than Larry Fitz. Agreed. I can see that. I, I th- I'm putting Larry Fitz's all-time playoff performances that play against Green Bay, as a play in the Super Bowl, multiple moments, moments that Larry Fitz has had that have been really, really impactful. And the biggest Julio Jones moment I can think of was spoiled by the Patriots comeback with that big Super Bowl sideline catch that he made. That was ridiculous. So that goes a little less in history. That's fair. The winner's right history. Um, but I think both those guys are good. A couple other guys I considered, older guys, uh, Don Hudson obviously played in the 40s, so it's hard to quantify, but he held the receiving touchdowns record for 40 years after he retired. So that obviously, like, is something significant in in that aspect. And then Lance Allworth played in the 60s and 70s. His best two seasons, he averaged 110 yards and a touchdown per game for two straight seasons. So that's absolutely a ridiculous stat there um, for that man. Steve Largent played in the uh, 70s and 80s for for Seattle. he had eight career thousand yard seasons, despite having there were two NFL strike shortened seasons in there. So he had two shortened seasons. Um, crazy receiver, played on some sketchy teams, but but he he's another guy that I considered also in that uh, in that top list. Well, now it's it's time to jump to one the fun one, the fun one. The position that matters the most, the quarterback. It's tough, though, because we can't really argue number one. It sucks. I know. It's awesome. Right, Spade. I, I absolutely love it. Should we slide our teaser back in now for this? No, get that off my screen. I didn't want to see that again. Ew. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just hold it like this. 
for the rest of the debate, you know? Just sneak Ew. it back here. You All can't right. tell, but my hand is over your screen on my on my computer, so I don't have to look at that ugliness. Notice okay. how I didn't put him on the slide either. I didn't want to even look at his ugly face. Nice. On the slide, so. Yeah, the <laughs> unanimous goat. Anyone that argues that is just wrong. Okay. All right. Number two, the two three debate. I'm, yeah. I'm so right Let's about. get in this two three because I'm I'm still heated about this. Joe Montana yeah, not better are. than Peyton Manning. Stop it. Stop it. That is absurd. Absurd to sit, think. How do you how do you believe that? Let's hear your argument then, because I know it's going to be centered around a team stat of winning. Four-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Super Bowl MVP, James. MVP. So okay. best player in the Super okay. Bowl, two-time MVP. He led the NFC in passer rating five times in his career. Four times it was the NFL lead. He had his uh, first MVP season. He had a pass rating for the season of 112 and a half absolutely insane for a whole season numbers um in that span from 88 to 90 when the niners were at their peak under joe montana he had a hundred plus pass rating in eight straight uh playoff games he was 22 touchdowns to two interceptions in those eight games and they only had one loss during that time steve young absolute or steve young joe sorry later joe montana Absolutely all-time playoff performer through the, the Immaculate Reception, one of the most famous plays in the Super Bowl uh, in history. Um, he is uh, the thrower of that pass. So um, highest all-time quarterback rating in the Super Bowl, 127.8 in his four Super Bowls, and also did not throw an interception in the Super Bowl, 122 attempts, no interceptions. So... Clearly, Spinney's argument here is centered around um, a game, one game, the Super Bowl, that you'd get to by by having a good team, you know, because Super Bowls are team stats, Spinney, not individual QB stats. Just so you know. Joe Montana. Playoff performances. Playoff performances. Better. As strictly as we're talking about quarterbacks, there's no chance Joe Montana is better when this man only has 211 yards a game, his measly 1.4 touchdowns per game is not even close to Payne Manning, who's at 2.1. Just it's just it's statistically not even close to Payne Manning. Payne Manning has five MVPs, five, the most out of any player ever. And he did that against Tom Brady. Tom Brady's playing the entire time Payne Manning is, and he still was able to win five MVPs. That is insanely impressive to me because as you said, it's a unanimous GOAT. But he was able to win five MVPs in a time when the unanimous GOAT was also playing. That's absurd. He was the all-time leader in yards and touchdowns until it took more games for Breeze and Tom Brady to pass him. So now he is third in both those categories. He has the wins. I mean, he's got two rings if, if you want to add that in there. But five MVPs, Spinny, it's hard to argue against that. It is. It is hard to argue against that. Um, big thing with with Peyton Manning is for me is a 14 and 13 career playoff record. I know that's a team stat, and I get that. But what 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 was? Um, I, can I ask you what? Can I ask you what Peyton Manning's passer career passer rating was during the season? What do you mean? Yeah, Peyton Manning's career passer rating. Do you have it? 
it was like 66. Oh, no. no passer no. rating, it was like 96. Yeah, 96. That's what I had to. 96. Um, Peyton Manning's career playoff passer rating, 87.1. So less, worst quarterback in the playoffs. Shrunk when it mattered most quite a few times. Maybe he wasn't playing with a team with a better defense, but Peyton Manning had more offensive weapons than pretty much anyone else in the league at the time. James, Clark, Wayne, Harrison, um, all at one time. Montana so, didn't have any weapons? Montana had Jerry Rice. Of all time, you're right. And still, you're right. Still he didn't have 211 yards a game? He did not have. Compared to Peyton Manning putting up like 270? He didn't have four Hall of Famers on his offense. No, four other Hall of Famers on his offense. Jeff Saturday, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and uh, Edwin James. So, sorry. But Peyton Manning, wonderful quarterback, great regular season quarterback. If this was just a regular season um, argument, then I would have Peyton Manning over Joe Montana. I think Peyton Manning, pure talent, is more talented than Joe Montana. But when we're talking best quarterbacks of all time, in my head, you have to balance talent with resume, 50-50. How talented they are, how well they performed, where they were in games, plus the player's resume, what they've done, what they've done, what's important in the NFL, which is playoff production, how you perform, how do you stop up your game in those big Montana. moments. Montana. That is part of it. And so I'm going to have all the – He doesn't only have the playoffs. Yes, he that does. That is not true. That is not true. Go ahead and comment below because I'm clearly right. There's no chance Joe Man Joe Montana is better than Peyton Manning. Like, there's literally no chance. Literally no chance. This man has five MVPs against the GOAT. What do you want him to do? Oh, and yeah, that's another argument to back to to take away from your your hating of his uh, playoff performances and records. He's going up against Peyton freaking Tom Brady every year. What do you want him to do? Yeah, but you act like you act like Montana. Did Joe Montana going... have to face freaking the unanimous goat? No, he no. didn't. He had to face some great quarterbacks, though. Great quarterbacks, Marino to, to still win Mo to win two rings. To win two, L.A. is not. Oh my gosh! Lots to win two players. rings in the same time frame that the unanimous goat is playing in, and five MVPs is more impressive to me than winning four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs in the seventies. The seventies. Clearly, clearly, you don't even know when Joe Montana played. Jeez. The 70s. When was Joe Mid. Montana's rookie te season, bus? 1979. Played yeah, half of a season in the 70s. Half of a <laughs> yeah. season. Sick. 70s and 80s. Sick. Sick. Played till 1994. Sick. Joe Montana, second best quarterback of all time. No. All right. Drew Brees, obviously. Yes, he is. And it's also a shame you don't have a quarterback drafted before 1996 on your list. It's a shame. Other than Joe, one quarterback drafted before 1996 on your list. And I had Who to cares? beg you. I had to Who beg cares? you to even put Joe Montana on your list. Who cares? Learn about history of the game, bus. History of the game. Yeah, but Johnny, Johnny U. Johnny U could have been on this list. Otto Graham could have been on this list. 
Dan Marino. Johnny U. Autogram. He thinks these guys. He thinks these guys are better than like Aaron Rodgers. They changed the game. Who Johnny cares? We're talking the game. We're talking who is better, strictly better, as a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is better than him. What are you talking about? How about Elway, buddy? Oh my gosh. Elway and Marino. Let, let's jump to this this fifth argument because we, we both have Breeze at four. Obvious, um, he was the leader in all in the major categories until Brady passed him. That would that would be our argument for including here on the top Dude, five. Breeze's consecutive <laughs> five thousand yard season situation is ridiculous. Yeah, like yeah. I don't I don't love Breeze. I think he shrunk in the playoffs too. But he did, yeah. the amount the amount of consistent ridiculous passing yard season stats for. 10 15 years yeah. straight is Insane. absolutely undeniable. I mean, like, he had he, there's like a uh, I think 11 5,000 passing yard seasons in NFL history, if I remember the stat right, and he has five of them. <laughs> yeah, like insane production. Uh, I'm, I'm a little shocked they never won an MVP. I guess that would be the, the one downfall of his, of his uh argument here, his resume. He doesn't have an MVP somehow, but. I mean, you can't really blame him when you're playing at the same time as Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So that's tough. For yeah. Him. You are right. Breeze had, had uh, five 5,000 yard seasons plus one 4870, one 4952, and one 48. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. 20. So eight, eight, so seasons, eight seasons over 4,800 yards. Yeah. 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 That is ridiculous. So. All right, let me let's jump to five here. What is your Steve Young argument then? My Steve Young argument, huh? Why why does he deserve to be a, mentioned as a top five quarterback? My thing with Steve Young is is he he was the the real maybe not the first, but the first to to be in a okay, I shouldn't say that either. Quarterback form. He's one of the most prolific rushing and throwing dual threat quarterbacks of of um ever. He had, uh, we're just going to go with his career stats here, 232 touchdowns, 107 career interceptions, passer rating of 96.8 for his career. Very similar to Peyton Manning on the passer rating aspect of it. He had 3,300 rushing yards or passing yards. Obviously that 33,000 passing yards. Sorry, folks. A little getting ahead of myself here today. 33,000 passing yards. Obviously lower, you know, less than half of Brady and Breeze. So not super high on that list. You also got to take into account the era he played in, the amount of running they did in Bill Walsh's offense and how his offense was based. Um, big thing for Young is he had 4,200 career rushing yards by a quarterback, super impressive, and 43 career rushing touchdowns. So 275 career total touchdowns. Pretty pretty cool stat there um, as well. Four-time first-team All-Pro, two-time MVP, and three-time Super Bowl champion. So... Lots of lots of uh, impacts there from Steve Young. He also has one um, Super Bowl MVP, so that's why I want Steve Young there. Multiple impacts, won a Super Bowl, um, and had a 96 career passer rating. Lots of quarterbacks to consider here. I, just <clears throat> I picked the guy I thought fit the best. I I had to go Rodgers. He is first. All time in QB rating, only one over 100. Actually, he's the only one that is better than 100. He's like 104, which for how many seasons he's played is absolutely ridiculous to have. 
He doesn't even have 100 career interceptions yet. That's ridiculous to think about. Um, he has a Super Bowl. You know, he's got one. He's, you know, obviously as of late has underperformed in the playoffs, which you're not going to see me complain being a Vikings fan. <laughs> but this man, what he's been able to do on the run, out of the pocket, just some some things we haven't been able to see in the in the NFL before from the quarterback position. He kind of started that, and we see it a lot more now, you know, like with guys like Herbert and Burrow and Mahomes that are, you know, Josh Allen. You know, these guys are so good out of the pocket and on the run and stuff. And I think Aaron Rodgers, like, really started that, in, in my opinion. Um, but three MVPs, back, including back-to-back, uh, that's another part of the argument there. And he's second in touchdown percentage. Uh, which means, you know, how often you throw a touchdown, which was like, it was like 6.8. So almost every seven pass attempts, he throws a touchdown, which was only second behind Lon Dawson. I don't even know who the hell Lon Dawson is. <laughs> so he's essentially first in, in touchdown percentage. But yeah, first in QB rating. He's up there, you know, inching in the top 10 in yards and touchdowns and has the three MVPs. So that's, I just had to give him the respect. And, and throw him in there with fifth. But like you said, Spinny, there's a lot of guys you could you can argue there with that fifth spot. But I think for sure, Brady, however you order it, Brady, Manning, Montana, and Breeze, at least in my opinion, that is a solidified – those four deserve to be in the top five, no doubt. Am I? Yeah, you got you got to throw in Elway, Marino, uh, Favre. Right. Those, yeah. those three guys got to be in your next uh, coming up list. And they could be – Elway's got, had a lot of big game production as well. It's just, again, this Mike Shanahan's offense is predominantly give the ball to Terrell Davis and, and run the play action off of off of Elway. Elway's best receiver was a tight end, so we got to give him a little bit of credit there on that one for how their offense was. So give and take. Yeah. It's hard because the NFL's changed so much in the passing game to incorporate it completely stat-based takes away from what the game actually is and how good these guys actually are. You put Dan Marino... In a, in a time where he could have maybe played 15, 20 years, given how many hits he'd taken with the arm talent that man had. And you never know. Something crazy could have happened uh, stats-wise. So it's really hard to account for those things in the NFL. That's why era comparisons are so hard in a sport where they're they as up-to-date as possible on the rules, which is great. But it also is harder than a sport like baseball that never changes to, to maintain all-time arguments. So give and take, but... The NFL's obviously got the better strategy. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. In any sport, whatever you're debating, all time is just – it's ridiculously tough to do. Yeah. Especially, like, you know, I said, oh, Montana didn't play Tom Brady, but, like, that's not really against him, you know. It's not yeah. Joe Montana's fault. He was born before Tom Brady. So, it's like, exactly. I don't know. It, it's tough to compare and all of these. But, yeah, like I said earlier – uh, all you Hardys out there, drop list. We, we're interested in seeing uh, your guys' top fives and at least um, outliers. If we had someone on there that you for sure were like, how the hell do you have him in your top five? Or there's guys that we didn't include our top five that you were like, how the hell don't you have him in the top five? That's that's what we want to see, so comment below. Yep. But that's all we got for episode 17. That was our, our content. We're finishing it off here with Q&A. We got this little dynasty basketball segment from Forbrook. You got the, the questions here? I do. You you want me to – where do you, you want to you start? Throw, you throw them out. You do whatever order you want, and then we can uh, both make comments. Okay, Joker, Greek Freak. This is for Dicey Basketball, by the way. 
basketball. Yeah, all, dynasty basketball rankings. So who who do, you, who do you want? Fantasy, dynasty, fantasy um, basketball rankings. Jokic has been first in fantasy these last two years, but I'm going to go Giannis because I think Giannis uh, will play longer in the league. Yeah, I think Giannis's prime will be longer. I think he's a better all-time player. They've pretty much been one and two for the last two, three yeah. years. So, so I got to uh, give this to Giannis for sure. Ant or Devin Booker? Um, That's tough. I'm going to go Ant. I think Ant – has a higher potential than book. I said last week that I, I view book as more like a, a late 10, you know, top 10 potential, like, you know, in that eight to 12 range, I think Ant can get higher than that. I think he's the dude I'm obviously biased being a Wolves fan, but I, from what I've seen in these first couple of years, I I've been more impressed with Ant's first couple of years than I was a Booker's first couple of years. So I think um, in dynasty, you got, you obviously play in uh, age. So I'm going to go with uh Ant being younger, and I think he has a better potential. I'm going slight Ant, too. I think, again, his higher potential. I also think he has a higher potential for assisting and rebounding and development in those areas. I think based on how long Booker's been in the league, we kind of see what he is as far as those two things. And I think Ant being so young, we still have more development time, i.e. Jason Tatum, how he's turned into more of a playmaker this year. We could see that more from Ant, potentially, or in the rebounding department, more fantasy points. I Definitely think. rebounding for sure. Yeah. Yep. Durant or Curry? Durant or Curry? This one is tough. I'm going to go – I'm going to a slight edge to Durant. I like his – he gets a little more rebounds and assists than Curry, so that's always better for fancy points. And as of late, obviously, has been a better scorer than Curry too. I would say – the game's played issue, you know, injuries wise, I think that's pretty on par. Um, you know, these guys, both those guys are missing, you know, almost 20 games every year. You're getting so, 60, 60 games out of both those guys. Probably. Right. Yeah. And age wise, I don't, I'm probably off on KD's age, but I know Curry's like 33. They're so right they're, in they're, the same. They're yeah. Close. They're basically the same age too. So, I'm just going to give uh, Katie that slight edge because he's slightly better in the, the three main uh, counting stats. Yeah, I also think Katie's team is a lot more based on him than Steph's team is as far as, like, in Golden right. State, the open guy always takes the shot. Um, Nets are more ISO-based offense. Um, so I'm going to take Durant slightly on that. Cade uh, Cunningham or Evan Mobley? Ah, oh, this one's tough. You, you can go first. You got an answer. I'm going Mobley just on the higher floor aspect. I think Cade probably has a higher ceiling given his triple-double potential. But I think given what I saw from Mobley, you could get – man, I think his floor is like 20, 10, and three blocks. I mean, I honestly do. It's hard to see him doing worse than that for yeah. me. So, so I think that with a potential for like 27, 13, and three and a half, Plus a steal or two, so I see I see that reason as why I'm picking Mobley. I think he's a safer choice, but I do think in Cade's ideal world, where he's averaging 28, eight and eight, you're obviously gonna want him. Um, but I, I think I'm giving a slight edge to Mobley. I'm gonna go slight edge, Mobley as well. Reason, exact reason you said the higher floor. I like. Um, you can't just copy me like that. No, I'm gonna get. I'm supporting what you're saying, and then I'm going to 
go further into my point. He has a higher floor, as you said. He's going to, you know, probably get a double-double, which is great for fantasy points. But two, oh, now I lost my point because I was looking at you doing some weird mm-hmm. face thing at mm-hmm. me. I lost my point. Ugly. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Right. Two, this is a guard-dominated league. Bigs are harder to find in fantasy. Good bigs, I think Mobley will be good forever. So I, I'm going to give a slight edge for Mobley there. All right, you did have more to add. I'll give it to you. Yeah, come on. Uh, I think this one might be the easiest one of the group, but Gobert or DeAndre Ayton? Ayton. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Gobert's next three-year production, though, could be crazy, especially if he gets traded to a team like the Mavs, where Luka would make him do crazy stuff offensively just by his playmaking, and Gobert's going to get, you know, his 13 to 15 rebounds every game, so... But yeah, yeah it's tough. It's really age. close. I'm this one is interesting. This one is interesting. LeBron or Ben Simmons? Oh, I laughed when I read this. I was like, man, we we're just done with Ben Simmons. Just never gonna play again in the NBA or what? I'm go. I mean, here's the thing. I'm gonna go Ben Simmons just based on his younger. All right, he's got obviously way more. You would assume way more years left. Then Bron was probably only got like two or three, you know. Um, but I will say this. LeBron's next two or three years, however long he plays, he will be better at fantasy than Ben Simmons, no doubt about it. Uh, so take that how you want it. I'm taking Ben Simmons just because of the he's going to get more years. So if I'm thinking dynasty, I want who's going to, you know, produce for a long time. And I still have faith in Ben Simmons. To like, I don't think he's going to be like – ever top 10, even probably not tw- top 20 in the NBA, but a guy that could, you know, score 15 to 18 a game and, and hover around 8 to 10 rebounds and assists. That's great for fantasy. And so I'll take that that production as well. But, yeah, I LeBron will be better for these next couple of years for sure. Agreed. Um, I'm taking Ben Simmons on the upside. I'm always going upside. And if you were trading both these mm-hmm. players, you're getting way more trade value in return for Ben Simmons than you are for LeBron. So – I guess that's that's another thing, at least in our leagues. LeBron just got traded straight up for Chris Middleton in, in the league that I was in. So that was quite an interesting trade. But I think that shows the value of of uh, of LeBron compared to Ben Simmons, who still would garner. Wait, LeBron for Middleton happened? When was yep. this? This was not in our – this was George and Connor in, uh, in this league up here. Yeah, the one I'm in. Yeah, you on your in Giannis for a minute. When, or when did this happen? LeBron. Two months ago. Ew. Yeah, George traded LeBron for LeBron? Middleton. Yep. Oh, ew. Yeah, I think ew, I'm taking George. the LeBron side of that trade, but it's it's not it's not that far off. All right, last one: Kawhi or Kyrie Irving. Wow, there's, there's like two guys that don't know how to play games. God. Um, I'm going to give the slight edge to Kyrie because he's shown Ooh. that he can play more often than, than Kawhi. I don't know. I don't – where the hell has Kawhi been? I don't know. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Kyrie. That is just straight toss-up because you're going to – you got either of them on your fancy team, you're pissed because of how many games they missed. You Especially don't even get to use them that much. Especially if you're playing daily scoring format. If you play like us where it's pick one game a week format. Yeah, sleeper format. Then, yeah. Then uh, sleeper goaded fantasy app, by the way. ESPN. Yeah. 
puke nation. Um, I'm taking Kawhi. I think that okay. Kawhi will play That's more just... games the next couple of years. I think he's getting over his injuries. He might be a little sketchy at the beginning of next year, but Kawhi was a top three player, remember, in the league. Kyrie Irving was never a top three player in the league. Never a top five player in the league. Probably never a top ten player in the league. Right, so, but I don't but, know if statistically it's that far off, though. Kawhi's true. statistics are not not you know, great. Crazy. You're, you're probably getting the same production, basically, fantasy-wise, out of both these guys. And I just think Kawhi's going to play a few more games than Kyrie. All right, that's fair. Last, uh, here's – so he didn't play this year, obviously. He only played 52 games the year before, 57, 69. Those are his last four or five years, Kawhi. So, I mean, take that how he is. Kyrie, I'm sure, is right around there as well. So, yeah, that one was tough. Can you give me, can you give me that number of games played again? I already closed Last the five years. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say Kyrie Irving last five years, 51, 59, 71, 75, 53. So, so he's been playing only- more. Kawhi, a zero, little bit, a little bit 52, more. 57, 60, and then only nine. Yeah. Definitely. Because that was more. the nine. The nine was the, the last Spurs season. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I read the wrong side of the stats sheet. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> Kyrie, last five years. This year, 29. Year before, 54. Year before, 20. Year before, 67. Year before, 60. First year in Boston through Brooklyn, 60, 67, 20, 54, 29. Not great. About the same. Yeah, that's as, pretty much the same. As, uh, yeah. So, yep, we're going with a uh, split decision on that one. But, yeah, that's the episode, y'all. Um, sorry, we might have had a little technical difficulties on the vid at the beginning. So just push through it with us, and it, and it gets better uh, on Buss's side, I think. Also, let me know what you think of my camera. I, we're trying out some new. Yeah, tech I, I over probably here, look so. so gross now. I know. I'm so like, you're just like so cool, top huh? tier, and I'm just gross over here and just blurry. And you got the nice camera, and I stuck with this laptop. Just Don't worry, fans. I'll upgrade my camera at some point. <laughs> it's all right. Well, we love you all. Keep listening. We love y'all. Are keep, you gonna uh, end it the way you did last week? What was that again? I can't exactly remember. Something uh, about like hugging, always hug your friend, your friends and family, or something along those lines. Hug them up, kiss them up, tell them you love them. We love hug you, Hardys. Tell your friends and family you love them and give them hugs. Yeah. Peace out and spade and neuter your animals. <laughs>